Hello, I'm Jackie Stern and welcome to episode six of my Coaching Conversations podcast. My intention with the podcast is to give listeners a sense of how the coaching process can support people, their organisations, teams and businesses to find and live their purpose and tap into the best of themselves as they face into the future. The podcast conversations are with people who have received coaching and with experts in the field. That future in this time of COVID-19 is uncertain, but harder still to face into are the linked climate and ecological emergencies. An increasing number of coaches are supporting their clients to do just that. And I'm delighted to do, to introduce as this month's guest, someone who is one of those coaches, Alison Wybrow. Alison has worked as a facilitator, coach and consultant over the last 20 years, drawing on her training and skills as a psychologist. Alison is also one of the three founders of the Climate Coaching Alliance. Alison, welcome to Coaching Conversations. Jackie, it's so lovely to be here. Thank you so much for that really generous welcome. And what a beautiful podcast you are creating. So uh, it's really lovely to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Last year was a very odd one for everybody and distressing for many. However, for some of us, me included, the growth in online connectivity with other coaches was a silver lining. Throughout 2020, I got to know coaches across the globe through online workshops and other events. But a real highlight was finding out about and joining the Climate Coaching Alliance. And here I am in conversation with one of the three women who founded it. I could pinch myself. So what's the story, Alison? How did you come to join forces with Josie McLean and Eve Turner to found this marvellous organisation? A space where we can learn and discuss approaches to support ourselves and our coaches to face into these emergencies. What's so funny, Jackie, is when you say one of the delights was finding the Climate Coaching Alliance. It was one of my delights, too, because uh, we didn't know what it was going to become. And so to find out how it's emerged and, and what's been possible through it has been really delicious. So... I guess the starting point is really um, a reference to one of the uh, colleagues I've, I've discovered through this year, Rashmi Shetty. She's always got the right quote for every situation. And she shared a quote from Rumi early on, uh, which, which I've adopted, which is, as you start to walk on the way, the way appears. And that's exactly what happened with the Climate Coaching Alliance. So... I think the Climate Coaching Alliance was an idea waiting to be discovered. And it just so happened that Eve, Josie and I were the three to discover it. Um, and I guess beyond that, I knew Eve, but I didn't know Josie. But Josie knew Eve. And so therefore, the three of us were able to come together. And Josie has such clear sight and depth in practices of complexity um, how was I to know that she would be the person that Eve introduced to the group? And Eve 
has got so much experience of building community through the Global Supervisors Network that I knew she was the first person that I needed to speak to, to bring this community into being. And so I just felt in my bones that community and dialogue were key to us being able to learn how to, how to step into this space of the unknown and how to really discover what we might need to do as coaches, both to transform ourselves, but also to transform our practice. And one of my supervisees often says, you know, if you change the conversation, you change the world. Mm-hmm. And so it could have been anyone that started the Climate Coaching Alliance, but it was Josie, Eve and I. And I think that laid the foundations for what we've got today as a community. And it was uh, it was in response to the professional bodies securing that international agreement, wasn't it? Calling for Global Climate Crisis Network for coaches. Am I right in that? So where it started, where it started from was um, in 2019, um, back in the January time. I'd started, there were lots of people that I think had heard the call from from our earth to, to sort of shift. So Zoe Cohen wrote an article or a small, um, just a note really in LinkedIn about where were all the coaches when the earth warmed by three degrees. I think, I'm not sure if I saw that or not at the time, but I was certainly myself thinking, what's the purpose of coaching? And and maybe if the purpose of coaching was different to what it is, then we might start to see a shift. So I started to think about regenerative coaching. Mm. What if coaching, what if coaching was was for a life giving planet and for the health of our biosphere rather than for performance and organisational success? What if we took it out a few extra layers? And so Zoe was starting to talk on LinkedIn. A third colleague, Linda Raspi, was having her moments of, 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 of awakening as she listened to the, um, the news from about the, the drop in biodiversity on yep. the globe. The idea that we'd lost so much of our insect population, 60%. And I think she just, at that point, hearing that, just cried. Mm. Um, and so the three of us came together. We, we were so delighted to not be the only people who were holding this concern. And so we then spoke to Liz Hall, coaching at work, and we were we sort of invited ourselves to put on a, 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 a have a stall there about um, a physical crisis. A physical, a physical stall. <laughs> yeah. Those were the days. Start- <laughs> Those were the days, indeed. So we started to have conversations with people and we connected with Neil Scoton, who's done a lot of work with yeah. his Three Minutes to Midnight column. Yeah. And at that conference, we decided that what we needed to do was to write a letter to the coaching profession and to coaches and to coach training bodies and say, come on. <laughs> and that Peter was at that conference as well. So we said, Peter, what do you think? And he said, oh, great. So we wrote the letter. Can you say can you say a little bit more about Peter? Sorry, because people listening might not know who Peter is. Yeah, he's a very special. Just very a couple of words about the lovely Peter. Peter Hawkins has been really uh, working hard in this space for a long time. 
And I also knew that Stephen Palmer was someone who deeply cared about this space, but we didn't know how to bring it together. Mm. And the letter, when we when we wrote the letter, we decided we realised that there were probably about eight things or ten things that we put in that letter. And one of them was to create a network of coaches who could work out how to respond. And that's the bit that I took forward to Eve. Thank you. I knew bits of that story, but hearing hearing it all filled in, it's it's like it's just great. It's great. So it's been really quick, actually. But it needed to be, didn't it? It really needed to be quick. And and I've been so impressed about the way in which the three of you work together to create an organisation that's really open. And it, it, you know, anybody's free to join. It doesn't cost anything, and it, it invites members to self-organise and come up with events and and get them posted, and you know, come in with whatever offering they have. It's really empowering. Um, and I'm mm. sure that your background in working with organisations has come into play in that in some way. I don't know if it is or yeah. not, but but more than that. It's actually been very profound for me to join with other coaches who want to bring that deep understanding of our interconnectedness with nature mm-hmm. into our coaching. I was wanting to do it, but didn't know how to do it. It's almost like my coach training had kind of straightjacketed me somehow a bit, you know. Yeah. You know, you you shouldn't go in with this, that and the other and your values. You'd be open. But, of mm-hmm. course... It's not quite like that, is it? No, no. So I guess in terms of, I wonder if it'd be helpful just to share a little bit about how Eve, Josie and I have actually learned to work together to create this. That'd be great. That'd be good to know. And I think it's it's more than just our organisational experience or experience in working with organisations, but it's actually about one of the things that I think we've all had to get over ourselves you know that's the one thing if you're going to be deeply connected and to learn together you really have to get over yourself (laughs) and we can all be grumpy and we can all not do things and we could could all sit and judge that but we don't there's a real generosity um, and the ability to hold dialogue to speak difference to hold difference and to say and to be okay that we don't all agree but to find a way forward um, has been uh, incredible and so we don't you know that love trust um, and ease has been right at the heart of it so we've really one of the things that we've, we've said right from the beginning is that um, do what your makes your heart sing do go with the energy and if the energy is not there then maybe the energy maybe that's not the thing to do go somewhere else so we've been really feeling our way Um, And we invite that same attention from everybody to really go with the energy, to just love and trust and really be compassionate and open to all comers. We've all got to find a way through this door. Um, It's not about one person finding the way through and and getting everyone else through. It's all finding our way through, uh, not necessarily at the same time. And so those foundations, those foundations of, of of love, compassion, and ease really are at the heart of it. It doesn't mean to say that it's not hard work, 
but it's also very joyful work because you feel like you're connecting people, you're pulling threads together, and it's through those relationships, through every conversation, through every relationship forged that that actually the whole is moving forwards together. So, and there are so many people who've brought their attention and their energy to this space um, that have really b built that community. Eve, Josie and I will be very lonely without every single member who is part of this group. And I just love discovering that so many people are already ahead of us on this journey and we can use their learning and their skills and their, their growth to inform us. There are so many different perspectives that we can bring in and learn from. It's just an overwhelmingly generous community. That's wonderful. That's I love that. I love that description of how you've come to do it and, and allowing for difference and allowing for, you know, scratchiness and finding a loving way through that. That's just brilliant. And, and I'm stuck by how international this community is. It's just absolutely magical. And, and I'm also wondering about what your reflections are and the response you've had from the coaching community. Were you expecting it to be that international? It was deliberate, I guess, um, because we know that a northern western perspective has dominated global dialogue and that there's a real power differentiation in terms of equality and marginalisation. And so we really wanted to enable everyone to find a place and to have their voice heard because there's so much to learn so from from all of those members and it's still relatively northern hemisphere dominated so yeah there's a lot of uh, we've got a lot of uk members we've got a lot of north american members um but we're also growing it across africa and across asia in particular so we've got a long way to go before we really have all the all the voices that we need so the response has been amazing, actually, and the learning in the last year has been huge. When I think about where I was a year ago and where I am now, that what I'm wrestling with is so much is so much different to what it was a year ago. So what are you what are you wrestling with now then? That's sorry, I put you on the yeah. spot there. Just just tell, what's the difference? What were you wrestling with then, and what are you wrestling with now? Well, interestingly. A year ago, I was wrestling with what many of our members are wrestling with is, is how do I bring this in? Uh, you know, surely, how can I bring my agenda in when I'm not meant to do that? Um, and now uh, my perspective is very different. It's not about, I'm not worried that it's not my agenda. I also don't, I also know I don't need to be a climate scientist and a sustainability expert. I need to be a coach. And the change that we need to make is a change internally to be able to hold the seven lenses of the system um, that, that we are part of, or all of those seven lenses, right from the, you know, the edge of the biosphere, right down to who we are as individuals. And those principles of connectivity and community and love are right at the heart of, of, of our work. So one of the things that, that I've done is let go of the fear of not knowing and let go of the idea that I'm holding the agenda and stepped into that place that Peter Hawkins often talks about, which is let the ecology do the coaching, give a voice to nature, give a voice to the broader stakeholders and um, 
and they will be able to enter into the coaching space and you don't need to bring in the climate as it were. So one of the um, practices that's been so useful, one of them that, that others have found useful as well, is very simply just asking, what are the stories that you want your grandchildren to be telling your great-grandchildren about who you are and what you did? And that question is so simple and so personal and so relevant to leaders when they think about legacy that it's a really useful question to have in your in your sort of in your repertoire to be able to bring in. But there are other ways in that are equally light, well not necessarily light, but equally um, graceful. And open. And open, yes, yeah. So it's not my agenda, but it's bringing in that wider perspective. Mm-hmm. That sounds. I love. I love that description of of the shift that you've taken and stepped away. Mm-hmm. Well, let let fear drop away from you, really, so that you're more empowered to be present with whatever it is the other, you know, the person you're coaching needs to be exploring in this. You you mentioned seven lenses. Mm. I wonder if you could just very quickly describe them and what these seven lenses are, just for people who might not know. One of the practices that that we're learning about, again through Peter Hawkins, but through his work with um, with ceremony and spiritual ceremony, is that one of opening self up, opening up to um, our our wider network of community, opening up to people who are no longer here or who aren't here at this point in time, opening up to the wider society, opening up to the the sentient beings and, and all who walk on this earth and opening up to the oneness of everything. So that's a little exercise. Um, I think I only said six there, but there's an exercise there that, that Peter Hawkins talks about. And it's that being open as coaches. I think there's a lovely phrase that both people in systemic constellations talk about as well as others which is actually your coaches bring your coachees bring what you can hold and so if you do the work in yourself then they will bring you these questions if you if you're close to it then they won't be able to bring you the questions that that perhaps most need attention at this time of breakdown of potential breakdown and that's really important isn't it that that we as coaches are as as clear about this and as um, have faced into our own fears and anxieties about these emergencies so that we can be as present as possible and be able to hold that space for people. Mm. I think that's that's absolutely essential that we do that. There's probably what, some... I'd just like to sort of say there's probably something that, that we are particularly prone to in, in, the, in this hemisphere uh, and in, in this developed world. Um, and I think the global, the joint statement from the professions has helped open up a window so that people can move away from a sense of fear of, 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 um, of are we allowed to talk about this or not? But there's been a huge polarisation and politicalisation of the environment um, and the environmental agenda in for us in, in this, uh, probably around the globe. But one of the things that was absolutely wonderful in the last 24-hour conversation uh, that the Climate Coaching Alliance held was to really hear from some more indigenous and deeply connected people. So Teresa Tessa Bailey from British Columbia, who is an indigenous coach, and Val, Val Punai, from, who's a Maori in New Zealand. And their perspective... So they 
are not disconnected from nature and from the environment as we are. And so their grounded perspective is this is just how it is. You know, the earth gives us all that we have and we, we've polarised and politicised the environment so that we're now a bit fearful of talking about it in a way in which it really matters. That's really helpful. Really, really helpful. And one of the things that um, that I often talk about with this as well is um, that whole issue about we're supposed to be coming to this, having set aside our value values in how we coach people. That's what the training says. But what we are trained to be doing is to take account of the stakeholders. And the planet is major stakeholder, the ultimate stakeholder. And, and you touched on, on the generations. And of course, future generations are also the ultimate stakeholders. So it seems to me that it is absolutely quite right and proper to, 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 to find a way of navigating and supporting people to engage with this. Yeah. I wonder if you've got any examples, anonymized examples, of how you've navigated any people you've coached or maybe even coaches you've supervised to be able to address what's coming or be better equipped to address what's coming? Mm. That's a really interesting question. There's, there's that, actually, that question has opened up such a huge field in front of me. It's difficult to know where to focus. And I guess one of the things I've noticed with my clients is that they're much more likely to bring in some of these questions of environment and sustainability. And it's probably not that surprising, really, <laughs> in a sense. So maybe they're bringing it in both because you're ready for them. Hmm. And also because there's been a huge amount of effort and energy and engagement and, and campaigning now in the last year, two years, that have really brought the, the climate emergency and the ecological emergency into sharp focus. I mean, of course, through the work of XR and, and through the work of Polly Higgins with the ecocide law. So maybe you know, the people who are coming to you are sort of externally primed, as well as your your ability to hold that for them being that much greater than it might have been in the past. Do you think that's what's been going on? I think that may well have been part of it. And also, I think there's a sense that we can more easily... Having done this work, you're more sensitised to some of the deeper work that might need to happen. So some clients that I'm working with are really struggling with that sense of how to fit into an expected form of leadership that no longer speaks to their wider purpose. So they're they're expected to be um, to sort of fit into a frame of operating which actually makes them feel deeply deeply uncomfortable and therefore devalues them and what they have to bring and so enabling them uh, enabling them to look at what what is the what's calling them <laughs> from that sort of wider perspective and take a deeper more systemic approach with them has really enabled them to free themselves up from from a from an agenda which wasn't theirs and to notice the value that they can bring in a in a more in a, in a context that actually will allow them to do work that actually is enables aligns with a, a regenerative 
planet really a regenerative stance so there's that sort of awareness that that what they're asked to do as a leader no longer fits and being able to hold them through that but also not just hold them in a, a place of despair as they look at what's happening in the in the world because it can be quite traumatizing when we actually deeply connect with with the breakdowns that are happening but actually help them find a way through to to finding some some way forward and how to lean into that and how to take some some steps forward that actually can be part of of a, a more flourishing future story i thank you that's really helpful and what it raises with me a question it raises with me is that of purpose mm. so one of the earlier episodes here was with sarah rosentula when we talked about purpose um because she put, just published her book, Powered by Purpose. And it just strikes me that it could be that what's happening for, for our clients is that there's a fundamental wobbling going on around what is my purpose? Why am I here? What am I here to do? And my experience is that part of the support or the enabling that's required is to support people to, to check in with their purpose. And then the purpose of their team, their organisation, and all the rest of it. Have you? Is what I'm saying making sense to you? Does it does it ring true? This business around purpose. Yes, hugely. And um, a few years ago, um, I uh, was co-authored a book on purpose and values, and I think that that sort of sense of finding purpose um, is is often a question that people bring to coaching. And I guess one of the frameworks that's really useful. Um, around that can be Neil's wheel which has been a, a framework that's that Neil has now brought into the public domain very generously and actually is brilliant because it offers a bigger a bigger lens through which to look at lives our lives who we are and what we're here for and as leaders I think people have found it just really helpful to um to help them think about some of these really big questions that they're wrestling with and there's a piece from from Otto Sharma, actually, um, at a Coaches Rising talk that he gave, uh, I think it was in May, and and talks about actually what's happening at this point is this sort of this integration between head and heart, um, and often you know in, we might have seen um, the rational organisation as a place where our head can flourish, but our heart might might or might not, depending on how lucky we are. And now there's much more of that question of integrating head and heart so that actually the two need to be integrated in order to us to be able to thrive. And I think that bringing the heart into leadership, bringing the love in and that integration of, of what we think and how we are and who we are has been deeply um, important as we face into these sort of wider breakdowns. Mm. You, you touched on Peter Hawkins before and his role in all of this. I, I wonder if you could just describe Peter's eco-phase cycle for people, because I think that's really useful to know about for any coaches who are listening to this. It is an incredibly helpful cycle, actually. And it, it was kind of crowdsourced. It was a line when we first first met it in uh, February last year or, or even December. Um, and it's become a cycle. Do you mean 2019? December 2019, yes. And it became a cycle in about February or the end of February, early March um, with those five phases. And so 
the eco-phase cycle is, as you say, incredibly helpful. It's a framework that helps us locate where we are and locate actually the journey that we might need to go through um, in order to to grow in this space. And we don't, be, being a circle, we go round that circle many times. But the let's say eco-curious is a place where we, we might start is in some ways the denial cycle and the and the eco-curious and the eco-phase cycle go hand in hand because the eco-curious, once we've stopped denying the state that we're in, we can start to become curious about the state that we're in and start to explore. Okay, so what is happening? Maybe all is not okay. Um, and then from that phase, teach ourselves about what is happening. And there's so much information around but in teaching ourselves what's happening, we can then go into a, a, a phase of, of grief because um, it is actually um, really quite devastating to, to notice where we are. So that emotional engagement we have with the, with the um, state of the ecology, state of the earth and the system that we're in, the impact of the system that we're in can quite often send us into a despairing place. But then moving through that and learning how to um, engage with what's happening, changing our own lives, but also engaging with this and working out how to bring it into our practice so that we're not only operating um, more from an earth-centered perspective for, for ourselves, for our lives, for our families, but also then when we work with our clients. And then moving through to eco-active. So how do we actually start to work on the systems that we're in and start to bring our attention and our intention to moving those? And then we go around the whole thing again and keep deepening as we go. And one of the challenges that most people have that, that join the Climate Coaching Alliance, and I count myself among them, and also those that we, we meet, is how do we do this in practice? How do we really open this space with skills? So that's really where so much of the learning is. Lots of people know they need to do it. Lots of people are making changes in their personal lives. But the question of how to really hold this with grace and skill, there's so much learning there and there's so much opportunity and possibility. There's just there's just so much that we can do that we're only just now opening our, our eyes to being able to do. And people can find information about these phases on the Climate Coaching Alliance website. And we'll mention that again at the end. Yes. Just wanted to mention that here. And something that I found really helpful um, that I just want to name is, is two podcasts I've come across. One is the BBC's What Planet Are We On? Which is just superb. Mm. Um, and it's it's serious, but it's not um, hair shirt. Mm. And it's really real. It's very real and it's very live and great presenters on it. And they led me to another one, which is called Outrage and Optimism, which has Christiana Figueres on it, who was the former UN climate chief in 2015. And I'm finding that really, really helpful now as we move into what's happening at the end of this year, COP26. So I wanted to just ask you about that, that the COP, the words COP, I was a little puzzled, what is this business of COP? And it just so that people listening know that it's the it's the it's the um, conference of the parties, it's United Nations speak, and the parties being the international community and leaders. Mm. Um, and the event that happened um in December um 
2020, there was just a day in, in and Britain holds COP26 um, this year, at the end of this year. And the event that was hosted by um, Boris Johnson um, a couple of weekends back was actually on the day that it would have happened before. So it's a sort of warm up to see where the international community had got to. So that that gathering of leaders is the aim of it is to accelerate action mm. on the goals of the Paris Agreement um, when the when the international targets to reduce carbon emissions were set. And it, and it runs from Monday the 1st of November to Friday the 17th. And I'm wondering what your call would be to coaches, facilitators, mentors, supervisors ahead of this event in 10 months' time, which actually would, we're in partnership with Italy mm. to host. Mm. So what's, what's your call to people? or What's your offer? Or... I don't know what other phrases to use, really. How can people, other than joining CCA, become involved? Mm. There is a lot that's happening, and there's a lot that's happening before that event. And so I think probably the call is, how do we lay the ground? So everything has to land somewhere, and there has to be a landing place for the ideas that come out of COP26. People thought this had been fixed in 2015 when everyone signed up to the Paris Agreement. But as one of our colleagues in the Climate Coaching Alliance has shared, who's done a lot of work with um, the, <clears throat> the Climate Agreement and the Sustainable Development Goals, they're all behind the curve in terms of the changes that are happening in our environment. So one of the things we can do is create the landing strip for what comes out of COP26. So how do we really ready ourselves and ready our clients and be available to enable enable those ideas to land mm. and to, to, to land well? There's an awful lot happening. It isn't just coaches, businesses declaring, psychologists are declaring, everybody's declaring. How do we connect up? And coaches in particular have that capacity to help people make sense of what's unknown and find their place within it to move forward from. And so I think that we as a, as a profession can really enable our clients and ourselves to see that actually climate is not something that's, that's a nice to have, but it's the context of every conversation that we will be having with our coaches moving forward and are having today. So it might not be explicitly in there, but what we're doing in relation to the climate and how the climate, how the climate, which is feedback for us in terms of how we've treated our earth and the people on it and the other, the other creatures on it and the other living beings on it, um, then that feedback is with us and is impacting us on a daily basis, is impacting on whether we can find food to eat, whether we can drink fresh water, whether we have clean air to breathe. And so those things form the context of every coaching conversation. And if we can ready ourselves to land what comes out of COP26 really beautifully and really well in rich, fertile soil, then I think that we will have, have done um, what we can to help shift that sort of human-earth relationship. And we, we've got such a long way to go. And one of I think that's lovely. Thank you. And and one of the things that from listening to these other podcasts I'm hearing is that often 
it's it's the corporate community, the business community can be slightly ahead of government and gives government reassurance that actually they're creating the fertile landing ground. Yes. So then our role in coaching those organisations is absolutely invaluable to this, absolutely invaluable. It is really interesting. I just The idea of a democracy is that we vote and the government does stuff and then we vote to say whether it's been good enough or not for us to vote for them again. Actually, I'm getting a really different sense of people power. It's actually we create the conditions for the policies to land. We create conditions for the politicians to be brave enough to say, actually, we need to do this. And so that's our our pre-COP26 role is to create the conditions for our politicians and for those representing us at those meetings to have the bravest and most heartfelt conversations they can have um, in service of all of our futures. Mm. I think you're absolutely right on that. And I'd add to it that listening to the um, the uh, outrage and optimism one, listening to Christiana, what she was describing is that the, the, the UN process has been really skillful in, in laying out where you've got to get to and what the targets are going to be and get agreement to that uh, as an invitation for innovation to take place. And that indeed, she's got a number of examples of how it has taken place and she cites what's happened with electric vehicles in that time, you know, that development, that innovation, not that they're completely without difficulty when it comes to embedded carbon and etc but I think it's that's really we're all we're all my sense is that we've got um, a whole raft of different um, parts of our society internationally and culture internationally who are mm. aligning and working together to make a difference on this I think so I don't know what your next question would be but um, I'm going to answer a question you haven't asked yet <laughs> which is what would a successful um, 2021 deliver for us? Um, and it's on, on the back of, um, I guess, what you're saying about uh, Christina Figueres. It's creating the space for innovation and creativity to happen. Um, and so one of the things, the two things that I would love is one is that living systems principles and the principles of complexity are familiar to all of us to lean into and learn from. If we take some of the work of Kathy Allen, um, you know, it's taken Earth 3.8 billion years to create a planet that enables humans to flourish and we have flourished beautifully. And so how do we all lean into those principles and listen to nature and learn from her because she's always there? And a really successful 2021, you talk about the speed of which the Climate Coaching Alliance has grown. Well, if 2021 was to really be a year of of pace and speed it would be a year where there was a shift globally in how coaches were taught from the very beginning allowing the integration of living systems principles right at the heart of training and practice and so we'd see that shift from ego-led to eco-led approaches we'd give back power and money to uh, to grow local community capacity rather than have coaches globetrotting around the world we might not be able to do that anyway. And um, the voices of the marginalised would no longer be, be marginalised. And the Climate Coaching Alliance could retire, could become something else. By the end of 2021? I think, in the words of Paul... Mm. Maybe. I, 
personally, I'm enjoying the community. So I, <laughs> yeah, I think this, I, I wouldn't want to see that community evaporate. No, no, it would just transform. It's wonderful, wonderful. It would transform. And just to be really kind of practical and, and looking ahead just a couple of months, on the 4th of March, there's going to be another 24-hour conversation. So there was a 24-hour conversation in 2020, which was international, as in it went around the globe with different hosts over 24 hours. And there was a lot of very clever workings out of time zones going on. I wonder if you if you yet know what the theme of of the twenty four hour conversation on the fourth of March might be, or is it too early? Is it still being being it is kind of created? created. It is cooking at this very moment. But one of the things that we always do is try to move on that conversation. So the first one was really about raising awareness, and it was so delightful. People like who like me the year before suddenly discovered there was all these people that cared about this thing too. And so there was just joyful tears as people joined in with those that global conversation. The next one in October last year was about um, really about permission. It's really getting over this fact that we need permission to bring this this wider system into the coaching space. And this one on the 4th of March this year. So obviously this was all kicked off by Liz Hall saying, let's have a a climate coaching action day back in December last year. And so we (laughs) went a bit crazy and said, yeah, let's make it global, 24 hours and et cetera, et cetera. So this one, we thought one one of the things that we've always been looking to do is what's the minimum level of scaffolding and what's the maximum space we can give to people to take the Climate Coaching Alliance community and run with it and make it their own and do the work that they can do. And so the 4th of March, again, is going to be, we're going to have a global event, but it's not going to be run centrally. It's going, there's a scaffolding that's going to be held centrally. And then we're going to invite all our local communities from around the globe, all the people from around the globe to host events in whatever language is is most that they want to host events in on any part of that eco-face cycle about the work that they're doing so we can just have a really broad and deep conversation about how to how do we take this forward what what's the next level so we really want to invite people to be courageous creative and brave about the conversations they want to host about the case studies they want to share and about the learning that might be possible from all around the globe Mm. That's great. That's a great introduction to it and a great flyer, an oral flyer for what's going to come. It's been brilliant talking to you. It's a very, very lovely conversation I've had with you. I just want to, to mention you've, you've raised um, Neil's wheel and Neil Scotton. I'm lining up Neil to, to have a coaching conversation with me and he may be episode seven. I'm not sure yet but we shall see but that would be yet more information to find out from people and that would be a good conversation I think that builds on today it's just been brilliant having you here Alison thank you so much thank you Jackie this is my first podcast ever there you go there you go first podcast um uh, guest yes yes well this is my first being a podcaster ever but it is my sixth episode so (laughs) (laughs) 
If people want to explore more about the Climate Coaching Alliance um, and how to join its vital work and find out about the events that are coming up, including that 4th of March, there is the website, and I'm going to include information about that in the mm. episode notes. Um, and you mentioned um, that you're on LinkedIn, so people can find you there. Um, is there any other information that you'd like to share about where people can find out and make contact with you if they want to? Yeah, there are there are group. There's a climate coaching alliance group on on LinkedIn that they can find and and ask to join. They can join through the website. They can join the Facebook group. Um, but also, one of the things we started doing, as we've noticed, lots of people have started to join who haven't been part of the conversation from the beginning. We now have new member orientation meetings once a month on the first Monday of every month, and those are will be advertised on our website, as well as the global monthly meetings that, that happen to deal with whatever needs to be dealt with in that month. So there's lots of ways to connect, and the, you know I think the thing is just to reach out. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I'm just so delighted to have, have had this conversation with you today and be looking looking ahead to a year where, which is going to be like no other, I think. I mean, we've had a year that's been like no other, but it's going to be even more of that. And, and I've got a sense of hope, um, and particularly talking to you, of hope and love as well. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jackie. Um, <laughs> And, and I hope people want to subscribe to, to the podcast, to Coaching Conversations. And you can do that through your podcast app or through my website, website which is www.coachingwithintent.co.uk. And please do share this in future episodes through your networks. And thanks again. Thanks a million thanks. Thank you.